You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, what is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Hump Day Hotline, brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast and Podcast Network. My name is Joe Miller. I'm the host of the Hump Day Hotline. I'm here with a special friend, a special guest tonight, Pat Moran from uh, Let's Talk Buffalo or Talk Talking Buffalo. Talking Buffalo. Talking Buffalo. Man, I I knew what it was, and I still screwed it up. But uh, on, it, it it is what it is. But it's <laughs> but uh, it's Hump Day. It's Wednesday. Hump Day, uh, as we like to say here. So do us a favor. Whatever platform you're watching or listening on, like, subscribe, hump that like button is is what Jay Spence and I say all the time. But uh, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time like with this intro stuff. Pat, how you doing? What's going on, man? I, I'm glad to be on. I, I have so much respect for for both you and Jay Spence, not just for doing a podcast. Obviously, I, I enjoy your content that you guys put out, but to do these live every single week. You know, I have a podcast. Okay, I do two, three shows a week. But you know what? I could tape it at Monday at noon. I could tape right. it on a Tuesday night, whatever. You guys are live. And besides doing the actual work, just the time commitment that it takes to do these. I mean, you're on after Bill's games on Sundays or you have John Fina on Mondays. Jay Spence has Tuesday show. You guys are doing this on Wednesday. You yeah. both do a live show on Saturday night, 8 yeah. p.m. You're on live every Saturday night, 8 p.m. Every Saturday night, 8 p.m. That's yep. crazy, yep. dude. It's yeah. crazy that that's such a, it's such a commitment to be able to do it, man. You do a great job, man. So anyway, it, it's great to be on. It's funny because I don't trip over my words a lot, but there's times that I do. In the last couple of weeks, I've noticed it in the overreaction show specifically, where I've been like, like there was one night I read, like I was read, I was just reading off my outline and I read two words backwards. Not like that I read them, read it backwards, but like I read this one first before that one. And I was like, no, 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 reverse those. Like that's not so, and there's no going back. There's no edits. There's, it's just, it, it's free live, it, baby. Yeah. It's live. It is what it is. Uh, I've had a little trouble at the top of a couple shows recently where I've like, you know, haven't unmuted microphones and it's like, oh, this is a freaking train wreck. And you just, and you know what it's like as you do this. And it's like, I'm going to redo that whole freaking thing because that well, was. Well, I don't do a lot of them live though. Not like you guys. Like I said, man, you guys grip it or rip it. I don't. You know, yeah, if I yeah. have you on the show and I screw up, I'd be like, oh, cut. Well, you know, let's start yeah, over, man. Yeah, you guys, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And to be honest with you, the uh, the people in the comment section make it worth it. So, sure. you know, and there's a bunch of people jumping in already. And, and Daniel Gowers is here. Andrew Miller is here. Uh, uh, Peter's here. Jay Mock and, and Payton's in the room. It's just it's just great to have the people. And they make all of this worth it because it's it's very cool when it's midnight on a Monday night. The Buffalo Bills have just gotten their, their faces stomped in by the Patriots. And you're five minutes from going live and 45 people are in the waiting room already. It's just like yeah. like they're already logged into YouTube waiting for your show to start. It just it's a cool it's a it's a it's a drug 
I don't know how to say it other than that. It's a, it's a legitimate drug. The live experience is just different. How do you, you get, get your emotions in check, Joe? How do you so quickly get your emotions in check? A game like Monday, which I'm sure at some point we're going to talk about it, but no, we are. Like it takes me 24 hours. Like if my I do a show on Tuesday with the premise that the Bills play on Sunday. I'm a knee jerk overreactor, and I know it's literally the title of your podcast. I I need time to to absorb things and, and yeah. get my temperature down a little bit before i yeah. start going like you you're literally on minutes sometimes after a game like how do you get your composure together that quickly i harness it so i i definitely harness that 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 energy and that emotion i mean it's a big part so i so and i, and I say this often you know my show is called the overreaction post game show or overreaction podcast and some people that have never listened to it you know hit me on twitter or like side comment oh overreact i'm not here to overreact like and it's like well i don't really overreact either like it's it's more right. of a it's what we do as Bills fans. We overreact, but I'm more of like just using that leverage to kind of draw people in. But I do stay pretty balanced. So I mean, Bruce has accused me of it. Marino's accused me of it. A lot of people have been like, you didn't really overreact and you really don't. And I'm like, well, I try to be normal. I just, all I'm trying to do is project the feeling from the couch, right? Why are you interviewing me? This is my show. <laughs> I can't help it. It's a bad habit, man. I'm I'm just trying to bring the energy of that I felt on the couch, that you felt on the couch, that we all felt on the couch during the game back to people, right, to represent it. And I'll let Bruce and Greg Thompson and all those guys clean it up later in the week. Like, I'm not concerned about being right or wrong. I'm just telling you how I feel. This sure. is how, And this is how I felt when Josh Allen, you know, squirted out and avoid, evaded two free rushers on the second to last play of the game. Did, he pulled Josh Allen magic and throws a bullet to Dawson Knox, who it hits him in the hand and he drops the football. This is how I feel about that right now. Right. Get me fired up. So, so yeah, but it's a, the funny thing is, is my show does not work, does not work the day after it does not work two days after at all. Like literally it just, I don't know that, I don't know that my show would be good at all if I was recording on Thursday. I hear you. It makes like, a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. You're right. You're right where you belong. Right. I'd have to right be way more into the X's and O's, the philosophy, like, like Bruce crushes Thursdays because he just, the, the brain and he's in the room, he's in the room right now, but it, like that, like where the way he approaches the game and the way he sees the game and the way he analyzes and, and breaks it down statistically, that's a Thursday thing. Like for me, if I got to do that, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I out. I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm glad you bring up Bruce too, because everybody knows it now, but I've known it for a while. And, and you've known this for a long time too. What he, <laughs> what he does is podcasting magic. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I really, again, I've been saying this for a long time now before Bruce was a known commodity in the Buffalo sports media right. and podcasting community. The guy just puts things together like no one else I know. It's fun to listen to every week. It really is. Yeah, yeah, for Informative sure. so, too. Sure. So let's do this. Tell everybody, because I've already messed up the title of your show, and I know it's the Talking Buffalo podcast. I don't know why I blanked at the top. But tell everybody where they can find you. Tell them what you do. Tell them, tell them your show. And, uh, yeah, because you're one of my favorites. So, yeah. I talk to people, man. That's all I do. Yeah. It's Talking Buffalo podcast. Find it everywhere. And I, and I talk to people. I don't like to promote my own show. I'd rather... Let's take this time and promote Jay Spence instead, who's not here tonight. <laughs> yeah, Jay Code Spence of Conduct, Tuesday nights. What is it? He's, At Jay Spence the King. Yeah, he's traveling. He's live on Saturdays. He's on a plane right now, headed back to Arizona. You're also the, uh, what, the, the, uh, the, 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 whatever the word is, you are the, you are the wing connoisseur. You've come <laughs> back to Buffalo from Florida. And you, you're you're doing this wing tour, and you do, and I've, I've attended one of them. i got to get back to another one. 
But uh, what are some of what's what are some of the best wing places you've been to uh, since you've been home? Since I've been home, yeah, you were with me at the, my favorite place since since Mulberry I've been home. was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. It was you and I, Nate Gary, and uh, Matt Perino. Matt Perino, yep. And we went to Mulberry's. I I taped a show there. Dawson Knox I, was there. Dawson, <laughs> funny, <laughs> well, yeah, he was there, and it was funny why he why I'm laughing about that, but it was because. I, it's in, it's a very well-known Italian place. I, I knew the Italian food was awesome. I had been there once before, but I obviously didn't have wings. I didn't even know they had wings. Right, So right. we go there, and there were these Trey White barbecue wings, which were pretty good. They were tangy. They were good. But just their regular, I think it was, what was it called? The 716? I don't remember, even remember what it was called, but it was their, it was their house medium. They were absolutely phenomenal. Fantastic. Far and away the best. I've had, um since I've been back, Imperial Wings several times. Those have been good. Honestly, I've been slacking a little bit. Since mm. I've been back in Buffalo this summer, I've been kind of a slacker. I, I can't really explain why, but I've slacked a little bit on the wings. I've slacked a little bit on doing more stuff with the podcast. Um, yeah, but Mulberry was the best. And, and Dawson Knox, that was funny because I, I know you remember this. I remember I got to a portion when I was taping my show. Matt Perino and I were talking about potential red flags going in the training camp. Like, what yeah. were some of the biggest concerns? Yeah. And I kind of whispered. I'm like, well, one of them's like sitting five feet away from us <laughs> with his girlfriend eating dinner. And we were talking about Dawson Knox because that was a huge red flag. And I'm sure a lot of people remember this going into the summer. Right. So we're right. talking about Dawson Knox and Dawson Knox is literally five feet away from us. Yeah, it was it, it was wild. Him. And when I recognized that he, or realized that he was in the room, I was like, you know what I mean? It just kind of double take. Big dude too, man. Big He's dude, a big man. old boy. And and I've, yeah. I've met him in the past uh, briefly, but uh, Mulberry, the, the people that I've told that like, yeah, the best wings I've had is at, Mul are at Mulberry. And I've had Barbell and I get Cajun medium at Barbell. I don't get Buffalo wings. The best Buffalo wings I've had are at Mulberry. People are like, Mulberry? The Italian place? And I'm yeah. like, yes. They're super good. And Sunny Reds. We've been to Sunny Reds. They've got great wings, too. It's very similar, obviously. I think the recipes are close or the same. But uh, they're, They deny that they're the same. They're they very do. close, though, yeah. which is a good thing because, again, both places are outstanding. Yeah, super, yeah. super good. So, But it's great to have you on the show. And uh, we got to get the uh, the Wing Road show going again because you were recording on location. Bro, you got to do it. That's, that's great. That's great content. After Christmas, I 100%. After the holidays, I'm going to start doing at least a couple more live shows a month because they're a lot of fun to do. And it's a lot of fun to be able to sit down next to somebody and, yeah, and have a conversation yeah. with them face to face. And again, over wings and a couple of beers, it, it just feels more personal and conversational. Yeah. And that's what I like doing. I love the crowd noise in the background too, for sure. those type of live events. So I've, we've obviously done them in the past and I've recorded from the Kansas city airport, like a couple of years ago and stuff like that. It's just, it's just a cool vibe when it's not like perfect audio and perfect silence. You know what I mean? Like perfectly microphone compressed and stuff like that. So it's really, really cool. You and I were on the rock power report together live at O'Neill's. That was a blast. With John Fina. That, was a, Fina. that was a great time, man. It, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Fina is such a trip, dude. He's just, um, my wife. So I don't, I don't know. If, I, I don't know that I've ever told this story online. So my wife, uh, or on air rather, my wife, uh, met Fina cause he, he's got tickets to the Washington Redskins football team game, Bill's Ross Washington game. Here in Buffalo, he's in town as you know for the Buffalo Legends community to sign autographs. He's got a ticket to the game, and he's like, "Joe, are you going to the game?" And I'm like, "No, I can't go to that game. Sorry, like you know, I'd love to." And he's like, "So I won't get to see you like pregame, nothing like that." I'm like, "No." He goes, "Well, I want to watch the game at your house," and I'm like, "Wait, uh, what?" He goes, "I want to watch the game with you. Like we're like Fina and I become really good friends." He's yeah, like, I yeah. want to watch. I want to sit on your couch and hang with your family. I want to watch the game with you. 
So all that to say this, Sophina is at my house. She's on my couch. My wife, you know, we obviously are both vocational pastors, ministers. So she gets home later than from work than I do on Sundays. So I usually get home about 1.15. She gets home about 1.30. Sophina's already there. I'm going somewhere with all this craziness. And uh, she comes in the house and I pause the game and Fina stands up six foot five, blue eyes, beautiful Italian, right? Beautiful Italian guy, skinny. And she's like, <laughs> like awestruck. <laughs> and I'm like, after he leaves, I'm like, what was that about? She goes, you told me he was a former Buffalo Bills offensive lineman. She goes, I expected him to be 55 years old, 400 pounds, a sloppy mess, like just disgusting she was like walk in the house and this gigantic beautiful human being <laughs> stands up in front of me she goes i'll be honest with you it kind of took my breath away i was like yeah <laughs> he's never coming over again ever <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but he's just a trip dude he's just a lot of fun like who he's the genuine article who you see on the shows when he's on podcasts on my show that is who he is it's just great my favorite thing about John Fina is there's lots of former Buffalo Bills players. They do have a ton of love for Bills Mafia. I'm not saying yeah. it's not real, but John Fina, maybe more than any other former Bill I know, he legitimately truly loves Bills Mafia. He loves that culture, and he's very happy and even humbled to, to be part of it. He loves being part of Bills Mafia, and, it, and it's genuine and it's authentic. There's nothing yeah. phony about it whatsoever. That's what I like about him so much. Yeah, he, he is a just for the, the, the people listening, both in the comments section, who's the people are going to watch this later, and then obviously as a podcast, he's a vested veteran, right? So he's going to get his NFL pension. And I'm mm -hmm. sitting at Vice in the preseason. I don't remember which preseason moment it was, but he was the time. It might actually, I don't remember what, what it was when we were all hanging out that night. So at after that night, after we were at O'Neill's, we went to Vice. John and I did. And we're sitting, we're just, and we're just growing it up. We're just talking and kind of getting, you know, connected and close and having, you know, real conversation. Cause that was the first day that we'd actually met face to face. And he says, Hey, pretty soon, you know, my retirement for the NFL is going to come through and I'm going to be retiring from, you know, my job and, you know, and we've done well in, in my life. And he goes, there's four places that my wife and I want to move. It was tropical destination, tropical destination, tropical destination, Buffalo. Ha, yeah. And I was like, you're full of crap. He goes, no, he goes, I'm serious. He goes, and believe it or not, Buffalo for me and my wife, Melissa is, is her name. It's starting to win. Like we might literally move back to Buffalo and retire in Buffalo. And I'm like, come on, like, don't, don't bet. He's like, no, I'm serious. Like totally straight. Like Buffalo is where I want to be. He goes, I've never, there is no city. And he went on like a 10 minute diatribe on why Buffalo is awesome. And what's funny about that is you were probably after having been displaced in a similar situation where you're like, there's nothing like this place. That's literally what happened for me. I can only speak for myself, but I, and I only been gone for five years right? and five years in Florida. And I want to be really clear. There's a lot about Florida that I loved and that I do still love. I met some great people down there. Obviously the winters are paradise. There's a lot to love about Florida, but I absolutely started getting homesick and I started missing all the little things about mm. Buffalo that are very easy to take for granted. If you've spent your whole life here, you take a lot of the things for granted the friends, the community, the, the beer blast, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. raffles, you know, all those yeah. kinds of little <laughs> things that might be a little bit petty or trivial to some people at that time. Yeah. You go without them, man. And, and you really start to miss them. So I did, I legitimately got homesick 
Catholic, yeah. Catholic, Catholic carnival beer tents. Those are the sure. things I miss. I love those, man. <laughs> Saturday nights at nine o'clock while you guys are on live on YouTube. I'm I'm at the beer tents. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we've already uh, burned up a good amount of time. Just uh, and I hope people are enjoying the conversation. I, yeah, I would love for my listeners just to get to know you and connect with you and let's start listening to your show. If they're not, your show is fantastic. And like you said, it's not all Buffalo Bills talk. It's literally right. talking Buffalo. You guys talk everything, which is great. Speaking of which, and real quick, we're just going to hit this. You've been binging Christmas movies. <laughs> I have. Real quick, tell me why you've been binging Christmas movies. Well, it kind of relates to what I was just talking about with Florida. So it, there was a lot to love about Florida. But the one thing I hated about Florida more than anything is it never felt authentically like Christmas. Agreed. Cosmetically, it's gorgeous. I mean, the lights, the malls, it, it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But the weather, it just it felt like a movie set. You know what I mean? Like I was living in a movie set. And every year we've always came back, my family, we'd always come back home to Christmas, but it wouldn't, we wouldn't get back to Buffalo like December 22nd, 23rd, right, we'd be right. out two, three days after Christmas. So for me, Christmas season has felt like four or five days. And in Florida, because we were coming back home, we never put up a Christmas tree for the last five years, no decorations. Wow. Again, it was just like Christmas didn't start for me until I got to Buffalo a couple of days before sure, Christmas. Sure. So now I'm back for the first time in six years and I decided I'm going to enjoy every single moment of this entire process. So I, I was so excited the day after Thanksgiving, literally went out, bought a tree, bought a bunch of new decorations because I couldn't even find <laughs> some of our old stuff. Um, so, and I got it all up and I said, I'm just going to start enjoying everything about Christmas and Christmas movies. I can't explain why like, obviously when I was a kid, I saw a lot of movies and I saw sure. some Christmas movies as an adult, but for the mo most part, I stopped watching Christmas movies for the most part when I became an adult. And I was like, I can't believe. So I put out on Twitter, you know, getting suggestions for movies. And I just couldn't believe how many there were. And a lot of these are popular ones that I never seen. So I just said, you know what, Joe, I work from home, like my regular job during the day. Yeah. And my boss is not one of those hands-on kind of people. It's get your work done. You know, I right, don't need sure. to be micromanaged. And right. instead of listening to music all day or whatever, I just binge watch TV shows. And now I'm binge watching movies. So I've watched like 18 or 19 Christmas movies in the last, we're taping what, Wednesday night? Uh, last nine days, I've, I've watched like 18 or 19 first time Christmas movies, <laughs> movies that I hadn't previously seen, previously seen. Now I've seen some, but are you putting them, them, put them on in the background guy? So while you're working, you put them on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's yeah. a really good movie, I stop working. <laughs> that's, that, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's the best way to work ever is yeah. just to put stuff. And so during COVID, when we were locked down, I was in, I was responsible for creating a live stream that didn't exist prior to COVID for the church that, that I work at. And it was 80, 90 hours a week. And I was in my in my basement, basically here with my studio set up and just like like just editing audio, editing video. And I had I had brought a TV on a cart from home above me that I could like throw the service up on that I was editing. But when I wasn't throwing it up there to view it, it was just it was just new movies playing. Like I watched the entire Breaking Bad series again. Like there was yeah. just it was just on constantly as far as that goes. So let's do this. So oh, and by the way, I I spent several years of my childhood in Florida, Seminole actually florida i was a war hawk in the ninth grade um but uh so i've got a lot of i know exactly what you're talking about but uh so what are the top five top five uh christmas movies for you right now top five well one and two have not changed and they're ones i've previously seen scrooge and national lampoon's christmas christmas vacation oh, it, that's the that is the yeah, christmas those movie. remain one and two but if, new ones i've watched the santa claus there's three of them oh yeah i watched the first two I thought the first one with Tim Allen was awesome, which is funny because I'm not a Tim Allen fan. Really? Tells you wow. how much I love that movie. Yeah. And everything that I like about a Christmas movie, had the cheese, some laughs, a feel-good moment. You got to feel good at when you watch a Christmas movie. Like, I yeah, hate yeah, these yeah. Christmas movies where 
you know, you feel bad, you know, like bad yeah. things happen. It's Christmas, man. It's the one time, the one time a series of movies I don't need to watch. So I love the Santa Claus, um, the preacher's wife. I can't believe I never really? watched this with Denzel and Whitney Houston. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was gonna be a movie like nothing except it was gonna be all church, you know. And, and yeah. no offense, and I know I'm saying this to the wrong person. You're fine, you're fine. I'm you're not fine. criticizing church. You're I, fine, I church, you're good. You're but good. I didn't need to watch a two-hour movie thinking it was just about church and, mm -hmm. and church only, which is not. It's a great story, it's a lovely story, man. I, I sure. really like that. That blew me away. And Fred Claus. I don't know Fred, if you've ever yeah. seen that. Yeah, Vince I have. Lawn. Yep. yep. That was really good. That gave me all the feels too. So I would say, yeah, probably Scrooge, Christmas Vacation, and then Santa Claus, Preacher's Wife, and and Fred Claus. Sweet. What about? Uh, give me five uh, under the radar. Top five under the radar. Well, I'm I'm going to go back to Fred Claus. I'll Fred Claus. There. I would agree. That's under the radar. A lot of people. A lot of people probably don't even know that movie. And you think Vince Vaughn, and you just think comedy, and it is funny. But there was some really tender moments. I mean, I'm like. A little misty eye near the end of that movie. I'm I'm not afraid to uh to admit that to you. I like that. Um, claws. I don't know if you've seen that. I mm. I don't know if it was original. It is a Netflix original. It's a couple years old. It's an animated uh movie. Oh it's, oh no, that's it's not the kind one. of like it's kind of a unique take on like how Christmas came to be. That's not the one was, with Kurt Russell. I love the one with Kurt Russell. That was Christmas Chronicles. That's yes. a good movie too. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, that was really good too. Um, the ref. And a lot of people told me on Twitter to watch this. I never, I don't know why I never watched it, but I never did. It was with Dennis yeah. Leary, Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah, yeah, An yeah. old movie. Yeah. It's an adult movie. Like, you're not watching this with your kids. <laughs> but it was funny, man. It was it was kind of predictable. But again, I like predictable, cheesy Christmas movies. But this one was really good. It was funny. Uh, Deck the Halls. Deck the Halls I just good. watched yep. it a couple days ago. Yep. Matthew Broderick and uh, yep. Yep. Danny DeVito. Cheesy, but again, in a fun way. And there's a new one. I just, it's brand new. It's on HBO Max. It's called Ape at Christmas. Hmm. It's with Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, it's about like this group of kids. They're obsessed with getting a Nintendo for Christmas and they <laughs> do a bunch of crazy things. It's kind of like a Christmas story meets, I don't know if you've watched the Goldbergs uh, on network TV on ABC over the last handful of years. It's kind of yeah. like that 80s premise. Yep. Yep. It was like that. It, it was a good movie. I enjoyed that. Very good. So uh, what about Jingle All the Way? I love Jingle All the Way. I just watched it today. Did you first time ever? Literally today. Yeah, I thought maybe <laughs> that's right. We haven't talked before we started rolling here. Yeah, yeah. I watched it today. I love that movie. That, what, I a love... Great, what a great cast that put was. The, for, put for the that cookie time. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Arnold. Yeah, Rita Wilson. Um, Sinbad was in it. it was, oh, it was uh, a great movie. I love Hartman. That. Yeah, it was good. I just watched it today. Freaking it was, awesome. It was nice and cheesy, man. Christmas with the Cranks. Did not like that movie. Really? Gotcha. Nope. Not the, I, I don't like Tim Allen. You don't like Tim Allen. That's and that's fine. Uh, what about uh, the, oh, what was the one I was just thinking of? Christmas and Cranks. Uh, oh, Four Christmases. Also Vince Vaughn. Yeah, that was good too. That was yeah. pretty good too. The scene, I, I like he, that. the scene when he's at his dad's house is on, but that whole that whole sequence at his yeah. dad's house is unbelievable. The MMA stuff with his brothers <laughs> yeah. beating the hell out of him on the floor the, in front of in front of his girl. Well, what kind of cheap dish did you buy me? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. Ten days ago, I never would have associated Vince Vaughn with good Christmas movies, but he was in right. two of them, so you got to give him credit. Oh, super good. All right, so uh, that's awesome. So it is the Christmas season. So this is relevant. So for those of you that are listening. We're, we're, we're going to talk bills. We're going to talk stuff because Pat has um, you have been vocal on social media and, and, and on the overreaction post game show on Sunday or on Monday after this, this loss to the Patriots, I said people on social media right now are being negative towards Josh Allen. And 
I wasn't calling you out. There was a lot of people. It wasn't, so I wasn't necessarily singling you out. So I don't want you to think that, but you had some relatively strong words uh, as far as, or just thoughts as far as Josh Allen goes. But before we get to Josh Allen, we're what, a couple days removed from the weirdest game I've ever watched the Bills lose, right? So, you know, Mac Jones throws one pass and it wasn't even, it wasn't even a good pass in for three quarters. There's a moment in that game in the fourth quarter where you can tell the Bills drove the field, the Bills missed a field goal, and the and the Patriots, in my opinion, panicked. Like, Bill Belichick was like, uh-oh, like they've kind of figured it out. And they give Mac Jones the ability to throw the ball twice. They still go three and out, and then the Bills drive the field again. Weirdest game ever. So my first question is this. Is there still a taste in your mouth about that game, or are you over it? Have you flushed it? Like, where are you? where have you landed in the, for that football game? Well, I still have thoughts on Josh Allen. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of days removed at this point, I would say I'm most annoyed still at coaching. Yeah, agreed. I thought, I thought the coaching on Monday was very bad, and I'm talking everything from the head coach, the game plans, on both sides of the football. Even though I think the defense played pretty well, I know they gave up a big run, but I still think the defense the defense pulled their weight. Let's just put it that way. Sure, okay, Joe. Sure. I'm annoyed at the coaching. I'm annoyed at the the clock, the game management that wasted timeout on a challenge in a million years. They were never going to win mm. that timeout hurt them at the end of the game. They had to use a second timeout because they weren't ready to run a play before the clock was going to run out. And, and this funny. is in the second half. This What's is funny is everybody knew that he did not make that first down. Everybody knew it, but you, mm -hmm. everybody also knew there's no way he's winning that challenge. Right? Yeah, it was. It was frustrating. There were a lot of things. Um, I, you could I, look. Tyler Bass has a very strong leg, but you can argue that the field goal attempt mm. in the fourth quarter was the wrong choice. Yep. And then just the play calling, Joe. I mean, you get you draft Josh Allen in part, okay, because of his arm strength, and yep. he can and did throw that ball in the wind. Yep. Matt Jones wasn't going to throw those passes. Josh Allen did. Yep. And when you can't run the ball with any kind of regularity. You want, why not have these four or five yard quick outs, hitches, whatever you want to throw to really good route runners like Beasley, who was almost absent in this game. What do you have? Three oh, targets? I think he, had, one pass. he had one pass that was called back because of a Spencer Brown holding penalty. That was right. I thought, all right, let's put it this way, Joe. So I'm in a fantasy football league and I don't like to talk fantasy football because it's kind of annoying to be honest with you. But I will say this <laughs> I had like a 14 point lead going into Monday night. And the guy that I was playing against, all he had was Cole Beasley. I was going to bet my life that I was going to lose because mm. I figured this is the kind of game yep, when yep. you can't throw the ball deep that yep. Cole Beasley is going to chew up the, the short and the intermediate part of the field, and he's going to have eight, nine catches for 70 to 90 yards, maybe a score. I mm. thought Emmanuel Sanders would be a big factor. The guy's only had – he hasn't had more than three catches for more than 28 yards in the last month now. Right. You know, these are good run runners. That's what we talked about all summer how good these guys are at running routes. So why were they not throwing a lot of these four or five yard passes? Maybe they make somebody miss. They haven't done, open. Don't they, even mention Stefan Diggs. They haven't even done it all year. Right. They literally are trying to, they're trying to force the run. We're going to get these three, instead of last year where we got three yards, two yards, three yards, five yards on Cole Beasley, you know, with Gabe Davis, with whoever you want, Isaiah McKenzie running, you know, running the jet sweep, whatever. We're going to do it this year with the run game. And it's not working. It, make, it makes you wonder, and that's kind of like I said, going back into the coaching from Monday night. 
we don't know this, but did, does Sean McDermott at some point tell Brian Dable that, hey, I want to run this football more. The wind is there, whatever. We need to be pounding this football. I just don't think they're built for that. They're Maybe not they built, built for, for success. It. They're yeah. not built for it. And the funny thing is, is like McDermott comes out on Monday or Tuesday and says, Brian Dable are on the same page. We know, He knows now what I want this offense to be. Well, why don't you tell us? Because B- Bill's Mafia, the NFL, everybody that you're playing against in the AFC East all know who you should be, which is what we saw last year, throwing the football 22 yards downfield, 17 yards downfield, hitting receivers all over the place, using the, the, the pass to set up the run. We're not seeing any of that this year. I'm scared to death. I'm going to this game in Tampa, which we're going to talk about in a couple minutes. I'm afraid that I'm going to see the Buffalo Bills try to be more balanced because he's come out and said, inference, we're on the same page. Dable knows what I want. Wait, 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 wait. Do you want him to throw the ball or do you want them to run the ball? Because if you want them to run the ball, I love you, Sean McDermott. We got a problem. Like you and I, like, like we're in love. We've been married for five years and the, the marriage has been blissful, but you've now told me that you want to put somebody else on our bed. Basically is what's just happened, right? Like, Hey, I was thinking maybe we should date around like we're married, but we should date around and that's not going to work for me. So the run game is not working. Give me 2020. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And that kind of goes into, well, again, I, I can't put that on Josh Allen because he's not the one in charge of the game plan. I just feel like he threw 30 passes, and that's a lot for the win. And there was a lot dropped. What was there, seven drops, seven drop passes, eight drop passes? I want to be really clear about something, because you're right. I did criticize Josh Allen on Monday, and I ate a lot of crap from people for doing it, (laughs) which I know that's how it's going to be. Sure. I know how I love Bill's Mafia, obviously. I mean, I know Bill's fans are the majority of people that listen to my podcast and all these podcasts, all right? So I'm not going to sit there and try to to irk them intentionally. I'm not going to troll them. Right, but I right, do right, call right. things like I see it. When I get sure. on this microphone, Joe, I'm not a Bills fan. I'm a Bills fan when I watch the game. Me and you go out with the Bears, they score touchdowns. I'm going to go nuts. Fair. But when I'm when I'm on this podcast or, your, or any show, I try to be objective. I still am a fan, all right? So I don't want to be a liar yeah. here. Yeah. But I'm going to be objective, and I'm going to call things like I see them. And maybe I'm wrong sometimes. I'm not, Josh Allen to play bad on Monday night. But I don't like to hear all the excuses, the win this, the win that, and it was a factor. But why is it a factor? So if the wide receivers, you just talked about it, they had drops, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't the win. That was the receivers dropping them. The ball was there, right? They made, they had drops, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. what about the passes that he missed? And I'm not talking about the long throw to Diggs because that was yeah. neither of the fault. That was one play where the ball was clearly swirling. Stefan Diggs was looking inside. Then he's going outside. The ball hit him in his hands. Yeah, should yep. he have caught it? Sure. But I, well, that play didn't make me mad. You know what play made me mad, Joe? Gabe Davis on, on a slant on the left side after good. he scored on the right side beats his guy. Josh doesn't make that throw. Okay, so again, if you drop the ball, it's on the receiver. But if it's not the throw's not there, it's on the win. You know, you're, you're not wrong. What's what's funny about the play with Dawson Knox that I talked about earlier, and you just referenced about the you know him fighting off that block, it hits him in the hands, he drops it. In 2021, that's pass interference. Mm-hmm. In 2021. Every single game we've watched, and I watch a crap ton of football. Like when, when I'm not, when the Bills aren't on prime to, or at one o'clock, I'm watching red zone, which means I'm watching every single game. That is interference 1000% of the time in 2021, except this time, which is yeah. really, really strange. But to your point, I agree. I think the Josh Allen stuff for me, there's layers to it. 
And Josh has fault. Like, Josh is not clean in this. It's like, you know, oh, Josh is completely, like, not the problem. No, Josh has issues. And Fina points them out. Fina talks about, for the for the, the people in the comments section right now that are watching live, the people that are, you know, listening to the podcast, there's been a couple of times where Deion Dawkins has been accused or blamed for letting up a sack or Spencer Brown or Daryl Williams has been accused or blamed for letting up a sack where Josh Allen is supposed to drop eight yards, nine yards, and drops 11. And what mm-hmm. we don't know as fans, and I've learned this too from Fina, is there's a, there's a, there's a feel, not a feeling, but there's, there's like a practice thing. Like the quarterback's going to drop eight. So as long as I block to a certain point, I'm good. The quarterback, quarterback drops to 11. I don't know. He's there. Right. Cause my, he's, he's behind me. And my, and the, and the, and the end runs around me and then he sacks the quarterback. And like, we, as fans are like, Oh my God, Deion Dawkins sucks. And it's like, no, that's not on Deion Dawkins at all. That's right. on Josh Allen. Yeah. Josh Allen has a propensity and a very big desire to hold the football and wait for that guy that's open 37 yards downfield versus going Beasley's open. I'm going to hit Beasley right now. Gabe Davis is open when he's on the field. He's not on the field enough. Dave uh, Diggs is open. Pick a guy. Sanders is open. Like he's not patient. So I would agree with you that like there's a lot, there's blame on Allen. But in a game like Monday night, Allen was doing everything he could freaking do because he yeah. was getting no help from his ground game. They weren't calling designed runs. He had three designed runs in a game where he should have ran the ball 13, 15 times for 140 yards. The Buffalo Bills call three designed runs, one of which he gains what 17 yards on. It was and like it was ridiculous that the run. There's something wrong, and that doesn't even include the layers of discipline, preparation. Aaron Quinn loves to call execution. Like two weeks ago against the Saints, the Buffalo Bills are a horrible screen team. Josh Allen takes the snap. The offensive line moves perfectly to the right. They set the screen up perfectly. Breida goes to the left. It's like, so Allen like looks for him, and he's not there. And Allen like runs around the other side. Throws a dart to Dawson Knox in the end zone. Touchdown, Spencer Brown. Or no, it wasn't Spencer Brown. Uh, uh, Ike Butker was uh, downfield too far, you know, blocking before he should be because they're blocking for a screen. There's other issues. Preparation. This team is not prepared to play football. Like the blocking errors on this football, between Dawson Knox, Zach Moss, the running backs, people missing blocks, like not picking up the right guys. It's There are so many problems on this offense right now, and Josh Allen is – contributing to those problems but he's not he, the problem go ahead he, he oh he's absolutely not the problem i want to be really clear about something i am a big 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 josh allen fan yeah right i i love josh allen i think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl but it's okay and it's fair to criticize him when it, when it's warranted agreed I'll, I'll also reference by the way and you're right there are layers but another play that really annoyed me was in the late in the fourth quarter it was a back shoulder throw to stefan diggs stefan diggs they got the matchup they wanted it was the play yeah, they wanted him. and he, he had him, him and he missed him but and it goes to again. So if you're gonna say it's the receiver's fault for dropping footballs with the wind, then don't blame the, the wind for the for the misthrows that Josh has, especially when they're 20 yards or less. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Now, I did on Monday night after the game, I tweeted a Josh Allen criticism on and again. I kind of got buried for it. This is why I don't do a show right after the game <laughs> like you do. Okay, because again, upon reflection, having some time to stew over it, and that's what you asked me. I'm still mad. The taste yeah. in my mouth right now is not about Josh Allen. It's about the coaches. And to your point, and I told I talked about this just on my show yesterday, in fact. It was a, a big talking point. A lot of fans don't like to see Josh Allen run the football so much because 
of the you know the possibility that he could get hurt. And if he goes down, this team goes on. And we all know that. So we're kind of careful with that. But if there was ever a game where you want Josh Allen to run the football 10, 12, it's 13 that one. times, this is the game. They had yep. some success doing it. Not even necessarily design, take the ball, power runs to the right or whatever, or design quarterback draws. Let the guy in this kind of conditions, these guys are running patterns, just running the defenders out. If somebody's open, you hit them. If not, take yep. off. Yep. Take off. Be a running be a running back, basically playing quarterback. This game, at least anyway, that was really bad. You, you, I'm, I'm you, frustrated. You hit it on the head, in my opinion. It's coaching. I don't it know is. where I don't know where the root is. I don't know if it's McDermott or Dable or both, but there's something. And these guys, like I said, are not prepared. And, and Fina talks about it all, all the time. Like, like they used to get a, a sheet, they used to get a test on Saturdays. Yeah. Where they would have to as linemen, they'd have to know their assignments and everybody else's assignments before the game, as far as blocking schemes and stuff like that. And these guys clearly are not, in my opinion, coached up. They're just to not. Your, to your point, Joe, about coaching and being prepared, now it wasn't a factor on Monday night, but what's been a big problem for the Bills all season? Penalties. penalties Aren't they, oh, my gosh. If, if they're not the most penalized team in the NFL, they're right near the they're, top. I think they're second. Yeah, that's discipline. You know, that that's leadership. That's coaching. It's, it's been an issue. And look, I – and my problem with Sean McDermott is kind of the same thing with Josh Allen, and that's expectations. You know, you talk about 2020 to 2021 and what could be different. Well, last year, everything felt magical. You know, it, was, it, was. I, I go, it wasn't so much a shock. Like, I think we thought the Bills were going to be good. I don't know that we thought the Bills were going to be 13-3 and three good. We thought Josh Allen, in fact, if you and I were on this show a year ago before last season started, we would have been talking about – is Josh Allen going to get that fifth-year extension? Is he going right. to be worth a big contract in the future? By the end of last year, he was literally second runner, or he was the first runner-up for MVP. You know what I mean? So you go into this season, and once you've achieved that, and once you play like that, the bar gets raised. Yep. And when it comes to the Bills, they're thirteen and three. Yep. They lose. They go all the way to the AFC Championship. They start. They lose to Pittsburgh. Then they win the next year. They beat Kansas City in Kansas City on Sunday night. The bar gets raised, Joe. Yep. So yep. when the bar gets raised and you see efforts like we saw Monday night, bad coaching, some bad blocking, Zach Moss literally runs into a guy when he could have had the whole right side of the field to score a touchdown. Well, that's, Devin Zach Singletary, that's, that's what Zach Moss does every time he touches the football. Yeah, no vision. And, and Devin Singletary, by the way, is not much better. I mean, he likes to just run into guys too and show that he, I guess, that his offseason training did something for him. I I have no freaking idea at this point. All right, but there's, again, there's lots of factors, but the expectations are different now, and the bars raise, and this would—that's why this game was so frustrating for me on Monday night. Yeah, because it's a game they should have won for sure. Couple, couple super chats. Uh, there it is, from uh, the first one from Triggs. Yeah, but that's on coaching to teach him out of it. So he's Triggs is talking about Josh Allen holding the ball too long, and and Josh Allen we know works on his craft more than probably most quarterbacks do, and and we've. I have likened it to golf and golf swings and trying to fix a golf swing. And Pat, I don't know if you're a golfer. I love to play golf. I'm a 42 to 45 kind of guy for nine holes. And there's a great deal of like, you know, why is the ball slicing? Well, you know, I'm not bringing my, my wrists over. Well, now that I'm bringing my wrists over, something else is going on. Well, my head is moving. Like there's a lot to it. And Allen has been great. But there's clearly something going on as it pertains to they're not necessarily getting him to be in the minutia, right, in the details of his game. So there's there's something to be said that I agree with Triggs. It's on coaching. I think you would as well. Second one from Peyton. Uh, both both you guys, thank you for the super chats. Appreciate you. Uh, that game removed my fear of the Pats. Dusted off a forty year old game plan and win by three. 
that's a solid point be up by the way that feels like respect to me digging deep to be creative they did not want josh allen on the field uh barely worked they did not want josh allen on the field barely worked i don't know where he's going with that i think they wanted him on the field i don't think, I don't think they wanted him to run would you agree with that they, they I, I think I, I think i can't speak for but I, I think what he's saying is that by doing the control the clock running the football keeping the chains moving yeah uh, let the ball not hitting the ground stopping for incomplete passes that that's less time that Josh Allen and the offense would be on the field. Yeah, gotcha. No, that that I think it was a good game plan. It was a if decent game, and they pivoted. The and I think they pivoted like like early as far as that go. Well, not early, like it was the fourth quarter, right when they started throwing the football. When they were like, I mean, they were, they were throwing the football more than the Patriots, but they committed. They abandoned the run in the fourth quarter, and Josh Allen was fine as far as that goes. It's the defense, and what's funny is, and this is a perfect segue. You know, when we're talking about the defense. Obviously, Jerry Sullivan has done a very good job of putting the Bills in the national spotlight more than they probably have been in the last two years. Uh, extended coverage, every single major sports network outlet has been com- like Colin Coward. You name it, like all of them have talked about this situation. And I just want to pull it up real quick as far as what you know, Josh Allen, not Josh Allen, but what uh, what Jerry Sullivan kind of kind of talked about and he he goes through through his line of questioning with Micah Hyde for those of you that didn't see it and I'm going somewhere with this and I know that we're probably all kind of tired about it but I want to talk about it real quick but he, you know he says safety's Micah Hyde and Jordan, Jordan Poyer who apparently believe they're doing the media a favor by speaking after games grew indignant when I asked if it was embarrassing to become the first NFL team in more than 40 years to lose a game when the opposition attempted only three passes what kind of question is that Hyde began and this is where he's wrong. He says, what are you doing, bro? So the what are you doing, bro, was actually Hyde. And Hyde looked to the Buffalo Bills uh, media guy, who used to be Scott Birchold, is somebody else now. And then Poyer says, what kind of question is that? Well, it was a perfectly reasonable question, blah, 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 blah. So what I want to focus on, Pat, for you, is what is an exercise that Sterling Furrow put me through last night. And that's the bottom bullet points. And I want you to answer yes or no as I read these out. They're soft, a finesse team. Yes or no, the Buffalo Bills. I don't think I don't be think, just be honest. What comes to your mind? Yes, was my answer. I, they're they're borderline soft, but I they're would call soft. them all the way soft. They have no off offensive identity. True, right now, yes, yes, they can't run or stop the run. It's been proven to be true so far. Yes, yes. they commit stupid penalties. Absolutely, they're they're front runners who got p uh they're front runners who got who go to pieces in crisis. So far this year, this yes. year, yes, they're in denial. To an extent, yes. Yes, and the, the, the in-denial part is like, this isn't who we are, right? And it's like, no, no, Correct. this, this yep, is who you right. are. They're not constructed to play in tough weather. Yes, that's true. Right, and there's a disconnect between their head coach and the offensive coordinator. Oh, uh, whatever, or more on that later. It, it, it appears to be that way based on what we're seeing with this offense because it doesn't look – I don't care what the numbers say in terms of run-pass ratio from last year. It doesn't look and feel like the same offense it was last year to me. Exactly. So, But the, the point is, is Sullivan isn't wrong in his assessments as far as – and he's saying a lot of the things that I say in post-game shows and probably things that you say and Aaron Quinn says on your say and Joe Yearden says – on your say, like he's saying the same things, but that freaking question that he asked and the way that he asked it. And not only that, but when, when, when Micah Hyde and the part that didn't get aired and you can find it when he's walking off the platform, the, 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 the presser platform, 
He's respectfully explaining why he took offense to it. I just want you to know why I took offense to it. I respect what you do. I respect what I, you know, respect what I do. And this is why I'm upset. And freaking Sullivan claps back and says, back in my day, players answered those questions. Where are you at on that whole thing? Well, I have to preface this by by saying this right off the bat, because otherwise I'll get called out for it. I, I like Jerry Sullivan as a human being, okay? And I've had many, many, many Buffalo sports media figures on my show who cover the beat professionally yeah, yeah. to a man. They say Jerry's one of their one of the nicest guys, okay? Yeah. I've had nothing personally but good experiences dealing with him. And quite frankly, he was on Talking Buffalo podcast literally the week before this happened, like 10 days ago. I yeah. just had him on my show. All right, so yeah. I, I got to get that all out there. I like Jerry as a person, and I think he's had a very good career. That said, the question itself, I think, was a fair question to ask. And, and I think you agree with this, too. It's the way it was asked. You, you ask these type of questions, are you in, of course they are, okay? You got to, you ask them in a respectful manner. And it was just a, a lack of respect. Look, I think, and again, I, and Jerry's never told me this, so I don't want to put any words in Jerry Sullivan's mouth. I think Jerry's very bitter at the Buffalo Bills organization mm. for having his credentials taken away. Mm. When he left the Buffalo News, he was working with, I, I believe it was the Maven with Bucky Gleason, yeah. and they were not credentialed. There were other times where Bucky were, or not Bucky, where Sully was, I think Sully to some extent, and again, this is my opinion, and I want to be clear, my opinion, this is not fact, there's nothing he told me. I think he has an ax to grind with, with the Buffalo Bills as an organization, mm -hmm. right? And look, I mean, let's face it, people have been around Buffalo for many, many years, you know how Sully is. He can yep. be a very yep. honorary, at times bitter and even resentful columnist. Yep. I, I think he's also a very fair and objective columnist to some extent. I know a lot of people disagree. That's my take. My problem isn't so much to question because I mean, look, they, they've given up a ton of yards this year, and oh, it yeah. was on national TV prime time in a very important game. They gave up a long touchdown run to Damian Harris. I think the stats be beyond that. I thought the Bills defense played very well. Oh, but anyway, that's you take that one run away is great. Look, man, two for twelve on third down. New England went. I think yeah. they punted six times. Yes. The Bills defense played more than well enough to win. Okay, yes. it's the way the question was asked just moments after the game. These guys are upset. They're stressed. I know they got to answer the questions, but it was just asked in a very confrontational. I think so, it sounds to me like that question was asked. Sully asked that question with the more to get to incite a response from Micah Hyde or Jordan yeah. Poyer than an actual thoughtful answer. Right, right. And he proved, and by the way, as they walked off, and you're, and you're right, Micah Hyde, who I've only had one conversation with him before, so I, I don't know him, but he just seems like the most respectful guy. And I listen to all of his <laughs> pressers all the time. And I mean, the right. guy's so... He's so articulate in his thoughts. He's so respectful when he when he speaks. I love Micah Hyde, man. And so he said, when you're, and you're right, because when Sully chirped back, back in my day, that's where you get the old, angry, long guy. You know what I mean? Get off my lawn. Yeah. That's And that's a <laughs> reputation. And, and, and I'm going to tell you what, man. When you act like that, it's earned. The reputation yeah. that you have is earned when you act like that. And again, this is coming from somebody who really likes and, and respects Sully a lot. Yeah. It was just a BS. It was a BS way to ask a question. And completely unnecessary because one thing as a sports journalist, whether you're a writer, whether you're a podcast, you're on the radio, whatever, don't make it, don't make the story about yourself. Don't put yeah. yourself into the story. You're telling the story. In Jerry's case, he's a columnist, he's a writer, he's writing the story. Don't be part of the story. And that's, that's what good. he did. He became part of the story. And I don't think that was an accident either. Super good, super good. Jeff Wagner, who is uh, a friend of my family, actually grew up with my uncle and went to uh, high school with my uncle. So if Zach Moss bounces right, 
And he's talking about that that one run where Zach Moss ran to contact. Would have been a touchdown. Uh, uh, are they constructed to play in the bad weather? Sorry, Joe. I think you guys are way off base tonight on some issues, some of these issues. Jeff, you're. I love you, dude. And 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 by the way, Jeff is be uh, uh beast of the east. So like back in the old day, Buffalo Bills message board days. Were you ever on the Buffalo Bills message yeah, board? Yeah, I remember that. Beast of the east is Jeff yeah. Wagner. That's who Jeff Wagner okay. is. Here's the problem: Zach Moss never bounces it outside. Zach Moss never finds the hole. Zach Moss runs to contact every single time. And generally that contact is his own offensive lineman. So as much as I would agree with you, if Zach Moss had a propensity or like a, a pattern in which we've seen many times over the course of his career, the last couple of years he's been here where he sees the hole, finds the hole, runs to the hole. I'd agree. He just made a mistake on that one play. This is who Zach Moss is. Zach Moss does not see those holes. He sees the contact, Wants to run run to contact. He wants to make guys, as he said, make business decisions. And it just doesn't work. Thoughts? Well, <laughs> let's say that Zach Moss does bounce it right and he scores a touchdown. The Bills, what did they score then? 17 points? Yeah. Does that make them constructive for this weather as this roster currently is? One touchdown? One touchdown? No. No. Listen, this is not a... T- I who, who I don't know anybody who thinks this team's constructed for this weather. Just so what's, we're uh, what's so funny we're clear. is they are constructed for this weather. If Josh Allen is the one carrying the football, yeah. Oh yeah. Look, look. We're taping this one day later. You're doing the show one day later. It's snow on the ground. There ain't no wind. Josh could have thrown the ball 45 times, probably for 400 yards against the Patriots. <laughs> you know, with the with the weather. Okay, That's the weather exactly was right. a factor. I don't know anybody who has confidence that this team can run a football and close games out. If you got to lead in the fourth quarter and you got to run the football, do you trust Zach Moss to uh, to take it down the field in the fourth quarter or Devin no. Singletary when they know you're going to run the football? I, I don't. I don't I know. Say, any, this is not a good running football. And team. I would say this, you know, I, I made a comment a couple weeks ago that I'm, I, I've seen enough of Zach Moss behind this offensive line. And that's not an indictment on Zach Moss, Zach Moss. That's an indictment on the whole thing. Like Zach, the offensive line, the scheme, everything like Zach is not the guy. Zach Moss should be the first one being like, don't play me because like you guys don't, you're not playing to my strengths. Like you, you, you aren't, you as the coaching staff are not seeing what I do and what I'm capable of because Zach Moss was a dominant running back in college. He was a good football player. That's why they drafted him. And they do not play to his strengths at all. Do like, you th- th- Joe, do you think that these running backs run like they're afraid to make a mistake? And what I mean is this. In this on this team, and we've seen it, you, you fumble, you make a mistake, you're getting benched. So instead of bouncing it potentially into a hole that wasn't there and you make a mistake – or you do fumble and you get benched, that these guys are just running into contact, holding the ball as tight as they can, and they don't want to turn the ball over. You starting to feel that way. You might be right, and and I don't know that I'm going to answer your question well. So for me, culture and leadership is a big thing. I'm a big culture and a big leadership guy. Like I I read a lot of leadership books. Like I'm a big fan of leadership. I understand servant leadership. I've read a lot of the same books that McDermott has read. And I say that not knowing the books that McDermott has read by the things that he says, by the things that his players say, I know the books McDermott reads and what he preaches and what he pushes down to his team. I think there's a bunch of confusion right now because Isaiah McKenzie and Mark West Stevenson get benched, right? Isaiah McKenzie doesn't even know why he's being benched. Apparently due to like on Twitter, McDermott comes out and says, I didn't trust either of them with the football. They're not giving me what I want. Meanwhile, these three running backs continue to see the field. Where's Antonio Williams? It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're afraid, confused. Like, 
the rules aren't the same. Cody Ford is still on this football team, right? And 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 I'm sure he's a nice kid, but like, you know, the Buffalo Bills lose to the Patriots the way that they do. And what do they do? They cut Bobby Hart. Like Bobby Hart was the reason. Let me walk something back. <laughs> I want to walk something back because uh, I'm wrong. Uh, my wording was wrong. I, it's not that I don't think the Bills are constructed to play in bad weather. It's the Bills don't have good running backs. I think the Bills could throw the ball plenty in bad weather and be successful because of the quarterback that they have yep. and because they have very good wide receivers who can get open. They're re- they have really good wide receivers and a great elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. So to say they're con- not constructed for bad weather is wrong because this team's capable of throwing the ball around in bad weather when other teams aren't. Well, there's a lot of smart – go ahead. But they're, the running backs are not good. They're yeah. just not good, Joe. They're not good. Yeah. Zach Moss, and I love Zach Moss. You go back and listen to my podcast all summer long or even early in the year when he's playing well. RB1, I would tweet, RB1. Every time Zach Moss did something good, RB1. Singletary has his moments. Matt Breida has his moments. These guys are inconsistent and they're flawed. They don't. They lack vision. Matt Breida doesn't break any tackles. Devin Singletary just, I mean, he had that one long touchdown run against Miami, but he makes mistakes. He drops passes. Zach Moss runs into the guys instead of going around them. Yep. They're just, the running backs are not good. So that's what I meant to say. If there's, a, if there's a hot take coming and you're ever going to quote me, and I don't mean you, but I mean, whoever's listening to this podcast, this is the moment. The mistake that was made is the Buffalo Bills drafted in the first round, right? A defensive end. We all love Greg Rousseau. I love Greg Rousseau. This is not an indictment against Greg Rousseau. And I don't know who the player he's going to become is. And I'm excited to see what it is. However, the Buffalo Bills drafted a defensive end one and two, right? There is no, and I get the con, the content creators who say you don't spend first round resources on a running back. You don't do it. You don't do it. Really? Because if the Buffalo Bills had drafted Javante Williams at 30, they win that game probably Monday night. And a lot of the problems that they have this year, they probably don't have because they've got a real running threat behind a bad offensive line and the offensive line is bad. And, oh, by the way, Greg Rousseau is playing 43% of the snaps versus a kid that's playing almost every snap on offense. That's the problem with this football team. And I don't care what anybody says, and I'll disagree, and I'll shout it from the rooftops. The Buffalo Bills have whiffed in the third and fourth rounds on running backs in the last couple years. And the problem that they have is they don't have a guy that there's a threat there. Like if if Javante Williams is on this football team, this team looks completely different. And Josh Allen is having a much easier time because they're not playing a cover two shell. One guy's coming down because there's no reason for any defense to drop those guys down. Why? Because the front four, seven, whatever can stop every running back on this football team. The safeties can just do whatever they want to do back there and hang out and wait for Josh Allen. You know, it's funny you say that quite literally. And I had no idea you're going to say that. Last Sunday night, I was watching the Kansas City-Denver game with my 80-year-old father, and I remember saying, man, Javante was, God, this guy would look really good playing with the Buffalo Bills. Not sure if I would give up drafting result, but they could have made an aggressive move maybe to trade up, add resources instead of taking Boogie Basham. They could have moved up and got in a guy like Javante Williams very early in the second round or even at the very end of the first round. I'm on, I'm on Team Joe when it comes to that. I was last offseason, too. I, I would have been fine with the Bills taking him running back in the first round. And, you know, to, to to state your case, I think we're seeing some of the the consequence of not doing that because the running backs are just not good, man. I'll, that's a hell I will die on. These Bills running backs are not good. And I'm ready to see Antonio Williams. Oh, he just runs with an energy. There's just an energy to the way he runs. Like, 
an urgency and it just doesn't feel like Singletary has it at times. It just doesn't feel like the other two have that same urgency. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, he's worth a look at this point, right? We're at 55 minutes in the show and we're not going to finish in an hour. We're going to be a couple minutes late, which is fine. I appreciate everybody being a part of the show and just uh, tuning in, tuning in and hanging with us. But with that, let's transition to the Buccaneers game. (sighs) (laughs) Seven weeks ago when I was told, hey, we're going to the Bucs game. Uh, I'm going with the Market Dominator, who, by the way, is the sponsor of this show, John Spazcheck. And if you're looking to buy or sell a home, do me a favor. Uh, call the guy that uh, is is one of the top real estate agents in all of Western New York, John Spazcheck. He, he considers himself a life transition specialist, which you would understand because you moved to Florida, transition life, and you're in the process of getting back to Buffalo, life transition and there's something something to be said about having a secure a secure person to help you in that transition. So if you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Buffalo area or outside of it, please call my guy John. Uh, you can reach him at uh, on his cell phone at seven one six five seven zero three two nine eight. That number again seven one six five seven zero three two nine eight. You can also reach him on Twitter. John is Bill's Mafia. You can reach him, his handle is your elite broker. But John said to me seven weeks ago, "Bro, we're going to the Buccaneers game." I was elated. Could not wait. You what? And he's paying for it. My sponsor is paying for And you've met John. Like John's yeah. a good dude. Like, pay, I'm, I, like I'm, I'm paying for the tickets, paying for the flights. We're going, we're going to see the, the Bills play in Tampa. Elated. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You still should be elated. You're gonna get a couple right. days of great weather, if nothing. I'm else. gonna get I'm gonna get to meet Bill's Mafia. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna yeah. get to be in flip-flops. I, I'm gonna go to a bunch of beach bars. I'm gonna get to hang and tailgate. The game's at 425. So it's gonna be an extended tailgate experience. Like all of the things I love about being in this role as a podcaster, and you get it too, and, and, and connecting with Bill's Mafia. I'm gonna get all all the stuff that Bruce Nolan hates. I'm gonna get all of that stuff. Like it's gonna be a lot of fun. But at the beginning of the season, literally, like, I, I had this circled as a loss. But I knew the Bills would be competitive. And right now, I don't know how you're feeling, and you can tell me. I just I just don't know where this team matches up with against the Buccaneers anywhere. <laughs> it's hard to disagree with anything you just said. Let me say this, though. First of all, around the league, we've seen what happens this year. Every single week we're seeing it. And also, your co-host of this Hump Day Hotline, Jay Spence, about, I don't know, what was it, four or five weeks ago, he did a live show, a live version of the chop-up, which he has on Saturday nights. We did mm-hmm. that at Resurgence when Buffalo yep. Rumleys put yep. out their new IPA. And I sat there. I was a guest on that show, and I was with Nate Gary and uh, the Bills Mafia babes as well. And yep. it was a fun panel. Anyway, it the, the question turned to Jacksonville, and quite literally, they were dismissed. Like we, Nate Gary, my man, Nate, didn't even want to talk about the game. Like right. he, he blew that right off. It was right. going into the next games coming up after the bye, you know? So anything could happen. And then that's not just words. We've seen it all mm-hmm. over the NFL this year, all over the NFL. And I'll say this too. The bills ain't the Jacksonville Jaguars. The bills ain't the New York Jets. The Buffalo bills are very capable of being anybody any given Sunday. Yes. Absolutely, man. This yes. is no chump team, okay? They're, they're not bad. They're still a good football team, all right? I don't care who they're playing. That said, on paper, this is an absolute nightmare matchup at the wrong time, too. Coming on yeah. a short week after Monday night. Um, This is the first time all season long, and I, literally every game this year, 
where I don't expect the Buffalo Bills to win. I've expected the Bills to win every game. I knew they weren't going to win every game, but I've expected them to win every game until now. Everything that Tampa's good at is something that's a problem for the Bills. Oh. Right? They got a very good running game for starters, by the way, and the Bills yep. have struggled with that. Leonard from yep. that might not be the best running back in the entire NFL, but he's looked like Walter Payton compared to Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, or yep. Matt Burrito. Okay. Yep, yep. I mean, you got an insanely physical front seven, a really good front seven. Now they've yep. struggled in the secondary, you know, advantage of Buffalo there, but they got a really good front seven. They got two of the best tight ends in the NFL. And they got Tom Brady, who's probably, if the season ends right now, he's certainly got my vote for MVP. And I'm, I'd be willing to bet he would win MVP if the, if the season ended right now. Yeah. All the ingredients, this is a recipe for the Bills to get handled. Yeah. On Sunday. On paper, it is a very, 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 very bad matchup. And oh, by the way, in his post-game pre presser after destroying the, whatever team he annihilated last week, and I can't remember who it was, he says, We got a tough game at home next week against the Buffalo Bills, who I've had circled on my calendar. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I, let me say, again though, Joe. I want to be look, I don't want to be known as this negative dude, so I'm gonna be optimistic here. The Buffalo Bills have the potential. Put it this way: the Buffalo Bills ain't winning 14-10. I can tell you that for sure. No, how much no. I can promise you. No, they're gonna right? have to come out guns blazing. Trey White was not missed on Monday night. No, I mean, he, he might have made a couple, who knows? He, he's very capable of making a, a you know, hitting someone and causing a fumble. Sure, so sure, I'm not sure. saying they didn't need him, sure, but they got by just fine without him. It ain't going to be the case on Sunday with, with Godwin and with, with uh, Evans. And again, they're great tight ends. They got a lot of receivers. Cameron Bray. Yeah, well. and obviously yeah. we all know who. Gronk, of course, man. Gronkowski. Right. I mean, this team is, even without Antonio Brown, this team's just got an embarrassment of, of riches when it comes to their weapons. The guys that Brady could throw the football to. Offense so, and defense. Yes. And so Trey White is, you know, him not being in the lineup, it is going to be a factor. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like the Bills this week. I got to be honest with you. But. Do some good news. I think the Bills can lose this game, and I do think they're going to lose this game. I'm just being honest with you. But by no means are they done. And I'm not just talking about making the playoffs. Joe, this team could still very, very well win the AFC East because you look at their four games after this, man. They're pushing they got, a rock, they're pushing a rock uphill, but yeah, they could win. Are they though? Are they though? The because way that they have been playing, yes. The way they've been playing. Okay, but I'll say this. All right, look, forget the New England game, put that aside for a second. After Sunday, and let's just say they do lose for the sake of discussion. They go to seven and six. All right, mm -hmm. you got Atlanta at home, you got Carolina at home, both you w's. got the Jets at home. Both. Right? Those are chump teams. Let's just call it what it is. Those are three mm -hmm. chump teams right there. Okay, mm -hmm. and then you obviously got the rematch at New England. Yep. Okay, now you got the Patriots. You look at their schedule. New England will go to, if the Bills lose on Sunday because New England's on a bye. The Bill or Patriots will go two games up on the Bills. Yep. With the game in hand, you know, because they beat them head to head yep. so far, yep. but. New England plays at Indianapolis, and they play at a very, very hot Miami team to end the season, too. So they yep. play Indy who they've, already, Indy who, on they've the road. Already who they've already lost to. Right, exactly. So they play at Indy on the road right after their bye, and then they also end their season at Miami. They lose just one of those two games, and the Bills beat New England in New England, and then the Bills beat those three chump teams at home, and they went out. Guess who wins the division? It's the Bills because yep. New England will have two division losses. They'll have lost a rematch to Buffalo, and they already lost week one against Miami. Yep. So that's two divisional losses. The Bills are in better shape than people think, even if they lose at Tampa on Sunday. I, I agree. I just feel there's some philosophical things that got to got to get figured out. Sure. There's, there's some stuff that's got to get 
There's, and, and we're never going to be privy to this information. But real quick, we had a super chat from a super chat from uh, Payton. We get to see possibly Josh Allen's final game against his childhood hero. And for those those that don't know, Brady is Josh Allen's childhood hero. He doesn't talk about it a whole lot, but that's who it was. Right. There's obviously a, a picture that floats around on social media once in a while. No guarantee he plays him ever again. I'm excited for the narrative. I'm excited as well, except I don't think that this narrative is going to come to fruition. I don't think that we're ever going to hear that Josh Allen, you know, that he kind of idolized Tom Brady. I mean, every young kid, right, in the last 20 years have idolized Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. Like, I, sure. I, I don't know that we're going to hear about that this weekend. But what do the Buffalo Bills got to do to win this football game? I mean, it's, it's obviously about matchups, right? It's, it's about – so there's there's – They've got to win every single one-on-one battle. Every single Dane Jackson has to play out of his mind. The, for the Bills to win this football game, you know what needs to happen? Josh Allen needs to have an MVP type week. Simple as that. Josh Allen's going to need to throw for 300, 350 yards and four touchdowns. And right. they're not going to look, they're not going to stop Tampa for four quarters. It's no. one of those games like when they they're, played Kansas City last year. You're like, all right, hold them a field goal. Hold them a field they're going to score 21-24 at least. Yeah, get a get a turnover or two along the way. And outscore them. That's how the Bills are going to win the game. If they go into this, and Brian Dable, they, they were talking about it earlier this week, having this physical football team, the Bills are going to get spanked. If that yeah. happens yeah. and they go into Tampa and they think they're going to run the football 20, 25 times, they're going to get spanked. Agreed. That ain't going to work in Tampa. It's just not going to work. Outscore yeah. them. Josh Allen plays like MVP caliber Josh Allen, which he's certainly capable of. Stephon Diggs has a big game. Cole Beasley comes out of the woodwork because they haven't been doing much with him. Same deal with Emmanuel Sanders. They could throw the football – you want to see Josh sort of football 40, 50 times? Well, this is the game to see it. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's funny to me because when I when I encapsulate this football game and I think about what the Bill the Buffalo Bills have to do to win it, you know, I, I'm I'm not saying they have to play a perfect game, but one thing they can't do is come out and want to be balanced. If the no. Buffalo if the Buffalo Bills come into this football game, and there was an at, we haven't seen it yet. There was an expectation. I brought it up on the Food for Thought show with Bruce Nolan and Nate Geary. I brought it up on a couple of the shows, too, because I'm in the comments section often. And I was just like, last year, 2020, the Bills knew for some reason that that defense was not going to be good. Every chip was in the middle on offense. On offense, we are pedal to the metal. We're going to risk it all. And whatever happens at the end of the game, we're going to live with. And they were good. They were really good and hard to stop. This year, the defense is good really good top two top one like one two defense like super good and the def and the offense is like well maybe we don't want to risk that much and when i say the offense i don't mean josh allen so my my comment when trade tradavius white got hurt was maybe this is going to force the coaching staff to be a little bit more chips in the middle like with tradavius being out we're gonna have to score a crap ton of points we're gonna have to put points on the board this past game, we didn't see it because of the freaking weather. The only thing I can hope for is that Josh Allen throws the ball 50 times. And he's at 70%, 68%, like you said, four or five touchdowns. And the defense does its job. Right? That's, yeah. that's the recipe. I agree. That's a good. That's a great point. It's a great point. I don't think it, 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 you didn't see it materialize on Monday because of, of the weather. And quite frankly, I think because of that, I think the Bills coaching staff froze a little bit on Monday. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm not going to downplay this 
and it's it would be easy to downplay it as a Bills fan because the expectation is they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm just saying, and don't get me wrong, if they win this game, they're going to be in great shape. Oh yeah, the national oh, yeah. media will yeah. kiss and make up with them on Monday morning. They'll be the talk of ESPN on Monday. It'll well, make yeah, it for the, the it'll make it for the Jaguars' loss. Like literally, right. it'll make up for the, the Jag- Jaguars' loss. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And the Patriots aren't playing this week, so they won't dominate ESPN next Monday morning. Yeah, so if yeah, the Bills yeah. happen to win, you know they'll be dominating talk shows and stuff like that. I don't think they are, but at the same token, like I just explained to you, I truly, truly, truly don't think this season's over. They're very capable of losing this game and then winning out. And if they do that against New England and New England loses to the Colts or Miami on the road, the Bills are still in good shape. Yep, yep, for sure. I'm excited for this football game more because I'm excited. Uh, My expectations, to Bruce Nolan's point, my expectations for this season have changed. So my expectations were 2020 offense, 2019 defense, we roll the entire league, and that's not what, we, what we've gotten. For one reason or another, there's layers there, from the head coaching-like situation all the way down through the players. Like There's layers of, of why this offense has not been what we expected, right? And Josh Allen is a big part of that, too. There's nobody that's, that's off the hook. Everybody has – maybe Diggs. Diggs probably has no blame, right, of all the players – and Davis, Gabriel Davis probably has no blame either. Maybe maybe Beasley, but regardless, my expectations are low for this football game, but my anticipation is high as it pertains to the experience being in Tampa, warm weather, Bill's Mafia, right? It's the people nice. that, I, that, I, that I get to connect with. Uh, and there's so many people that I wish were going to be there. Jay Spence, you. Uh, I'm going to Stewart. be there one week later, by the way. I'm going to <laughs> Florida, but not, not for the Tampa game. I've lived near Tampa. I'm going to actually the following week. Which gotcha. Sucks, gotcha. Sterles. I love it. There's so many people that I would love to see yeah, in Tampa, it'll but be I'm, fun. I, I'm excited for the people that I'm going to get to see, which is great. So this is going to be a good football team. I'm ready for it. I'm prepared for it. Mindset wise. But uh, dude, this has been a treat. Like you and I just roll. Like there's just a, there's just a, there's something about the two of us together. That's a lot of fun. So I, I appreciate you being on the show. So uh, any final thoughts? My expectations haven't changed. I expected that anything less than a Super Bowl appearance for the Buffalo Bills to me is still a disappointment because I look at the AFC and I don't think there's any team in the AFC on paper that is more talented than the Buffalo Bills. And Talk I still feel that right now, even Agreed. at this moment, even with the struggles at running back, even though I think Josh has been a little inconsistent, they've Agreed. had lots of flaws, lots of warts right now, but so does every other team in this conference. I think the Bills have no excuses. Even with Troy White, every team's dealing with injuries. The Bills, even if they lose this game in Tampa, they still have every opportunity in the world to roll through the AFC. So my expectations have not changed with them at all. Super good. Got a game prediction? I know you said that your your, your expectations for them to lose this football game. What's your what's your prediction? I think they're going to struggle this week. I can see Tampa winning by. I don't know, have an exact score, but I can see Tampa winning by two score, at least two scores. I'm probably there with you, unless what I said happens, which is the Bills come out just balls of the wall sure. and sure. like just just we're going to throw late Josh. We're going to just let Josh Allen cook for, for lack of a better way of saying it. Let Russ cook, like let Josh cook. We're just a loss, a loss. Joe could not, if it's, if it's, the, if it's the right kind of loss, it won't be the worst thing in the world. It Agreed. actually could be the thing that sets this team off and gets them going when they need to over this last month. It's if they lose, it's how they lose. That's I like it. going to matter. I like it. One last thing. Tell everybody where they can find you. Tell them about your podcast. Uh, and hopefully you've converted some fans tonight. So. All right. Well, thanks. I appreciate being on the show, man. This was a lot of fun. Talking yeah. Buffalo podcast, Tuesdays, Fridays. It's on Apple, Spotify, everywhere. Tuesday, I have a, like a revolving guest. I have different sports media people on all the time, former athletes, lots of guys that have been on your show. And then every Friday, yeah. I do a casual Friday episode with my buddy, Joe Yurden. We talk Bills, Sabres, 
We do a starting five draft. We do pop culture stuff every week. Lots of fun. Good conversations. Awesome. So much, so, so much to be thankful for having you on the show. I appreciate it. A lot of good conversation, whether it's uh, just uh, being in Buffalo or Christmas movies or whatever else. So thank you. Thank you for being here. You can find him at Pat Moran tweets and you definitely need to be listening to his podcast, but ladies and gentlemen, you have been tuned into the Humpty hotline brought to you by the market dominator who, by the way, is going to be in Tampa with me. So wherever you see me this weekend, if you're going to be in Tampa, You'll find John Spazcheck right there with me uh, on the Buffalo Rumblings vidcast and podcast network. Uh, it's been a treat. It's been a pleasure. I'm the host of the show, Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Missing tonight, Jay Spence the King, who's literally at 32,000 feet right now. But uh, next week, we will be back on together. So what do we got coming up this week? We got Food for Thought on Friday night with Nate Gary and Bruce Nolan at 9 o'clock. The Time to Shine, I'll be live on location somewhere at 8 p.m. The Chop Up at 9 p.m. The Overreaction Post Game Show live in Tampa at uh, sometime, probably 9 o'clock after the game. Monday, off tech with John Fina. Tuesday, the uh, Code of Conduct. Man, we got a lot of programs. And then Wednesday, <laughs> rounding it out with the Hump Day Hotline. But uh, for myself, for Pat Moran, love you guys. Appreciate you. Pat, all you got to do is say go Bills. Go Bills. And go Jay Spence, too. Go Bills. We'll talk to you guys soon. Mm-hmm.